Kia ora, I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. Today on The Detail, a highly respected GP is found guilty of professional misconduct after prescribing ADHD drugs to hundreds of patients. Ritalin and Concerta can only be prescribed with a recommendation from a psychiatrist or paediatrician. GP Tony Hahn has been charged with prescribing without one 5,662 times. We look at the case of Dr Tony Hahn, who gave his patients what they needed, but broke the rules on the way. ADHD New Zealand Chair Darren Bull says he hopes it'll lead to a better understanding of ADHD. People are becoming really aware that they might have ADHD and simply there is not enough psychiatrists or paediatricians available to help. And we meet a woman who discovered she had ADHD when she took her own daughter to be assessed. Since Inez's first diagnosis, I see neurodiversity everywhere. I've recently been diagnosed with ADHD myself. It looks different on everyone. Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, or ADHD, is a hot topic. Hundreds of thousands of New Zealanders have it. Imagine a Ferrari. But with the brakes of a bicycle. That's how psychiatrist Edward Holloway describes the brain of a person with ADHD, or Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. Most people experience symptoms like fidgeting, forgetfulness, or losing focus every once in a while. But for people with ADHD, these symptoms are constantly present. Whether you're at the office, the home, or classroom, there's no off switch. That's because people with ADHD experience the world differently. And the complexities of it have been highlighted by the case of Dr. Hahn. Tony Han says he's on a mission to change the system, saying if he didn't act, hundreds of patients would have missed out on critical care in an overburdened health system. Rowan Quinn is RNZ's health correspondent. She covered the medical disciplinary tribunal hearing. Tony Han is an Auckland GP and he is a nationally and actually internationally recognised expert in ADHD, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. I mean, this is a disorder that's been known about for decades and decades. You know, it sort of came more to public awareness in the 80s and 90s and he was very much quite early on involved in that and he became very interested in the impact that he saw on patients with this condition. He became an expert in recognising people who had it and he slowly worked himself into becoming a GP specialist in this area and so he ended up, he has people from all over Auckland and all over the country actually referred to him for care even though he's a GP rather than a specialist and he has at the moment 200 ADHD patients he sees himself and hundreds more around Auckland and the rest of the country that he also treats. I have many ADHD patients who come to me because they cannot afford private care or they are unable to access public care for ADHD. So he's been an expert at this. He's been doing this work for decades. So what's happened? Well, he has broken the rules for prescribing ADHD medication. And I guess the most common drug you would have heard of is Ritalin, but there's lots of others that are either different brand names for the same drug or different slightly different drugs. They're called Class B drugs under the Misuse of Drugs Act. And so that means um, to be categorised is that they have the potential to cause harm either to individuals or to society. So because of that, there were these rules set up around them that GPs were not allowed to 
initially prescribe someone with ADHD to give them these medications. So they had to get approval and they still do, from a psychiatrist or a paediatrician before they can start prescribing. And then after that, every two years, if the person wants to get subsidised medication, they have to go back to these specialists and get an appointment to get their um, subsidised medications every two years. The problem is there is a shortage of psychiatrists and paediatricians. It is very expensive to see them privately. You're probably waiting months and months even in the private system. The same with the public system. System, months and months and months. Tony Han says sometimes you actually can't get in at all to the public system. Public mental health clinics in most DHPs refuse to provide diagnosis and treatment for ADHD patients on the grounds that staff were either overworked or lacked sufficient knowledge of ADHD. In the light of the huge demands on mental health in New Zealand, I well understand their predicament. So what he has been doing is prescribing directly to to patients um, in breach of those rules. Tony Han would see a patient say, yes, they've got ADHD, they need to be on this medication, and they need to get sign-off from a psychiatrist. So he would send batches of these recommendations to a, a psychiatrist who he was working with. The psychiatrist would effectively rubber stamp them and he wouldn't even talk to Tony Han about them. And then the patients were able to get their medication. This actually went on since the late 90s, and he hadn't been pulled up for it. Was it known about? Well, this is a this is a point of contention. So there's two facts. So there's, there's that aspect. And then also what happened is that psychiatrist retired, and suddenly he had all these patients that needed their prescriptions renewed. He had some new patients who needed to be prescribed the medications. The guy that he'd relied on to make it happen was no longer available. So he tried to get someone to replace him. No one else wanted to be involved in that scheme. Um, he just decided to write them himself. And then a pharmacist noticed these prescriptions prescriptions coming in without any um, specialist approval on them and she reported him to the medical council and then these charges um, have come about as a result of that. So what he was doing, it wasn't for malicious or selfish reasons... No, and there's there's no accusation either that he was over-diagnosing or over-prescribing, and even the prosecution acknowledged that he is an expert in this field. There's some contention in the hearing about whether the authorities knew about this special arrangement that he had with the psychiatrist. So... He, Dr. Hans says that in the late 90s he had a verbal agreement with somebody in Pharmac that he could have this wee scheme going where he was just sort of getting the rubber stamping from the psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist would look at all these cases and he'd call Dr. Han if he saw a problem. So they occasionally would talk about uh, cases, but the psychiatrist trusted Tony Han and mostly he... His silence meant consent, so if he didn't get in touch, it was okay for him to um, go ahead and prescribe. Mm. So in the hearing, Pharmac said, we've got no record of this agreement. We didn't allow it. It's not accepted by the PCC, but if that is the case back in 1999, you were allowed to do something. You can't tell me that that gives you carte blanche the right to do that indefinitely. But, yeah, Dr Han is 
is saying that he he was motivated by the need out there, and you know there are quite serious consequences for people who have extreme ADHD or undiagnosed or untreated ADHD. You know, it's a spectrum. So mm. some people have a very mild form. Some people, you know, feel it a lot a lot more. And he's saying that in some cases it could be life saving. You know, that people get this medication who otherwise wouldn't ADHD. I mean, we're hearing about it all the time, it seems now. It's, it seems so prevalent. Some of what Dr. Han quoted in, in his evidence is he thinks there's about 250,000 people in New Zealand with ADHD and about 37,000 of them are on medication. So he thinks that means there's probably quite a high level of underdiagnosis. But yeah, it's, there's certainly a much higher awareness of it out there mm. now. Other interesting things that came up, you mentioned to me that Boris Johnson has probably got ADHD. Yeah, well, this, this mate perhaps falls into the same trap. He he was saying, because he's such an expert, Dr. Han, he said he sees it all the time. He says you only have to turn on the news and you see people with ADHD. And he said... People like Boris Johnson, for example, would be... I mean, he's not my patient, you understand? Another point is that uh, meth use, methamphetamine use, has reduced the demand for recreational Ritalin. So the market for Ritalin as a recreational drug has dropped off. Yeah, I think when when Ritalin was classed as a um, Class B controlled drug back in the 90s, there was a lot of worry about it. It is a stimulant, and so there were some cases where it was being sold and um, people were using it as a stimulant. But what um, Dr. Han's defence team said is that that has dropped right off because methamphetamine is like a super stimulant and people who are interested in that kind of black market stimulants are relying on methamphetamine. I mean, it's sad, mm. but it's some, so they're arguing that there's less of a worry about Ritalin and they said that when they had spoken to police recently, they said Ritalin isn't really on their radar anymore as something that police are looking at for um, illegal substance abuse on a large scale, and that's partly because methamphetamine is just so common now. Mm. Were they pointing that out to highlight the fact that maybe it doesn't need these really strict rules around it? That's what they feel. So so part of their case, obviously they're defending uh, Dr. Han, but they're also pointing out what they feel is the kind of ridiculousness of the situation, that there's all this need out there that for some reason uh, they feel that Ritalin and other ADHD medications are being treated differently than other controlled drugs and that they've sort of been kept a little bit at arm's length from GPs, at least for the initial diagnoses. So they're saying the system is broken and it needs to change. Treatment of ADHD by primary care practitioners is both sufficiently within their expertise and the only practicable way to deal with the overwhelming problem presented by underdiagnosis and undertreated ADHD in the community, where the public health system is unable or unwilling to put their resources into the issue. And any response to that, to the broken system? I mean, is there anything happening there? Well, the Green Party actually led a hui with a whole lot of government agencies. There was police, corrections, uh, Te Whatu Ora, uh, the Ministry of Health, a whole lot more. And they got met with ADHD NZ, which is a big advocacy group, and they help people with um, ADHD. And they had this big hui a couple of months ago where they're looking at 
how to help people with ADHD and how they're treated, say, by police or corrections, how we can change the rules to mean more people can get the help that they need. And one of the things they're looking at is this rule. So the rule that you, if you get diagnosed, you have to get approval from a psychiatrist or paediatrician to get medicated in the first place and then every two years you have to have that very expensive approval process happen again. So that is one thing that the Pharmac and the Ministry of Health have said that they are going to look at whether to change that. And Rowan, what kind of response have you had to your stories on this? I've had more feedback on this story than any other health story I've done. Yes, so many emails, some from Tony Han's patients, some from other people who have ADHD, overwhelmingly in support of Dr Han or expressing their frustration of being in the system and having similar frustrations to his patients. We have tried everything. Specialists, medication, diet and parenting courses. We've followed all the advice. We've tried discipline and consequences. This is a clip of Sonia Gray from the TVNZ documentary Kids Wired Differently about neurodiverse children. It's not that Inez won't do what the other kids are doing. It's that often she can't. She's wired differently. Her neurological conditions are complex and real. And there are no simple answers. I'm talking to her at her Auckland home about the battle to get help for her daughter Inez and finding out about her own ADHD. So, Sonia, how should we describe you first? Oh, um, a mother. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I work in television. Of course. Sonia's the lotto lady. And uh, I've now, I guess, a little bit of an advocate for neurodiversity. Tell me about the process of doing the documentary about neurodiverse children Mm. and what you discovered about yourself. Gosh, it's been quite quite a long time in the making. I obviously have a daughter who is neurodivergent. She has a range of diagnoses and the effort, the struggle to get help for her almost destroyed me um so it was kind of from a quite quite an early stage that I was like if we ever get through this I need to speak out um because the system just isn't working and I have all these benefits that other people don't have so how are other people doing it and I've since discovered they're not you know there's thousands of families that are struggling tell me about what kind of things you had to go through um yeah oh my goodness how how can I make such a long story kind of Mm. concise well there is no roadmap Okay, so we I had a kid at six that was, I knew there was something really wrong. I went to the GP and I said, Nezia is having these terrible meltdowns. She's, I know she's so unhappy. She stops eating for like two days at a time. She, and she, the doctor looked at my daughter, who she's a big reader, so she had this big book, um, reading this big book in the corner. She said, I think you've just got a hungry kid. You just give her some juice after school, and that should help with the meltdown. So I was like, okay. We're told to go to our GPs, and what ADHD of New Zealand have discovered is that only 23% of GPs in New Zealand have a good understanding of ADHD. 
But that's your first port of call. So I couldn't really get anywhere until she started really acting up at school. And just every step is difficult. Getting a referral into the public system, we were declined once, and then you have this long, long wait time. Even the private system is a long wait. We eventually got a diagnosis for autism. Like, this, you've got this diagnosis, here you go, goodbye. Oh. Like, no nothing like this is what you do next here's step a b c and d and and so i think we got a leaflet so it was kind of uh, years of fighting to be heard and paying thousands of dollars and advocating like crazy at school and saying sorry sorry thank you thank you all the time to keep people on side the process discovering that she has she has traits of autism ADHD, dyslexia, dyspraxia. Uh, she's twice exceptional, so she's gifted with some learning difficulties. Yeah, sensory processing disorder. It just sounds like you need a heck of a lot of perseverance. Yeah, you need and perseverance, time. you need money, you need energy, you need a family support, uh, you need friends to pick you up. Yes, my daughter was at the pointy end where there was, you know, she was violent at home and at school. We had some great people, some great teachers, some great um, specialists, but it's a lot of luck to get them, and a lot of people don't know. You know, a lot of people don't know they have the right to advocate. And over what period of time uh, did you go through this process? Um, well, we're still going through it, um, but so we're not seven years later. Yeah, and that's something that's hard for people that aren't in this situation to understand is not like oh it gets fixed you know it's and we all live happily ever after these are lifelong conditions they come with a lot of wonderful benefits um to the world but there are challenges and they manifest in a lot of different ways so at the moment my daughter um is really struggling with ocd as a family you feel you all feel like you're held hostage by this condition but like all all the other neurodiversities, um, you just need to stay on your kids' team and accept that this is now the path you're on. One thing that I really, I'm really concerned about is that the therapy that she's getting, which is slow but it's it's amazing, is not available in the public system. So if you don't have the money, then I don't know what what do you do? People, you know. I've, had people message me that have taken out second mortgages and loans to get this treatment because they're so desperate to get help for their kids. It does affect us all. You know, this is a societal problem and these are the kids that become adults that are have been made to feel lesser than, haven't had the support and love and encouragement from society. If you feel lesser than from an early age, the outcomes aren't great. Mm. Our, Prisons are full of grown-up kids with ADHD, dyslexia and autism. And these are bright kids that just have been misunderstood and can't fit into the box. You said that there are positives from this. It's quite hard to see, but what do you Yes, gosh, I mean, I wish that when kids got a diagnosis of dyslexia, it was met with, I don't know, celebration, because dyslexics, are the movers and shakers of the world. They see the world in a different way. The way they see words is different. But, you know, wouldn't it be great if you got that diagnosis or a diagnosis for ADHD or also, you know, the big picture thinkers, and you were told, okay, you may struggle in some areas, but let's find your thing. 
your brain is likely very exceptional and you have something very valuable to offer the world. And we don't get that. (laughs) People don't want to get diagnoses for their kids because of the stigma and the negatives. Tell us about your own discovery (laughs) that you have ADHD. Yeah. So through this whole long process of peeling back the layers with Nizi, we met one wonderful psychologist, and we have had a lot, who diagnosed her with ADHD and said, um, I always ask parents to be assessed because the hereditary element is so strong and I said oh no I don't have ADHD because like most adults ADHD to me is a 10 year old boy who can't sit still who possibly shouldn't have foods with coloring and you know um and he's just take the test Sonia so I took the test and my husband took the test and he doesn't have ADHD but I got a phone call to say um I was 100% oh, wow. <laughs> for, for the presentation of inattentive ADHD which is not the hyperactive type um, because there are three sort of subtypes of ADHD. Mm-hmm. And the inattentive type is mainly women, 90% of women. And it's harder to spot because we're very good at masking it. But my organisational skills are shocking. I have 47,000 unread emails. Um, <laughs> the psychologist just said to me, look, your internal filing system just doesn't work that well. It's largely because your brain has all these tabs open. Um, And so if we can just help you to pick the right tab at the right time, then you're going to thrive. I do take medication now. It's, It's a game changer, but I only take it when I need to be focused. Now, for example, like I take it this morning because my brain... All the tabs are open and I will go off on a tangent and uh, to help you in your editing process. <laughs> and I, um, yeah, it just helps me be a little bit clearer. Since your documentary, you're getting a lot of people contact you. Yeah, definitely. I, I set up a Facebook group um, just so that people who had watched the documentary Um, there is a space that people can share their stories and share ideas and you know because I'm not at all ashamed of it I feel like I do need to yell a bit louder for the adults and for the parents that are struggling and there are so many of them because um, I know that I've gone through my whole life with this mask up and these workarounds and finding ways to sort of cover up where I haven't done well and it's such a relief to let that mask down from your experiences and from the kind of um stories that you're hearing from people what needs to happen so much but i think the biggest thing is providing parents with a roadmap what they do overseas i mean australia's 20 years ahead of us they have a really holistic approach to these kind of neurodiverse conditions gosh the language is terrible around mm. this it? everything's got a disorder in it oh. yeah anyway um yeah so every kid that is presenting with with challenges early on needs to go to an educational psychologist and get the full assessment which is done over two days now it is almost impossible to get that through the public system at this at any stage right now so it's it's starting point is about fifteen hundred dollars and then the parent needs an advocate to go, okay, here are your options, here are your choices, here are what all these acronyms mean. We just don't have that. 
That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is public interest journalism funded through NZ On Air and produced by Newsroom 4RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. Today's episode was engineered by Flo Wilson and produced by Alexia Russell and Bonnie Harrison. And thanks to Rowan Quinn and Sonia Gray. Kakite anō.